and what's going on guys and welcome to the benches cleared podcast where we cover the best rivalry in all of sports and this is my lovely co-host the debbie downer of sports you all know and love tyler co he represents the los angeles dodgers and this is jesse gutierrez who represents the san francisco giants who i don't have anything negative to say to him today so we're, we're gonna be civil I'm, today i don't think i'm a debbie downer i think i'm a positive pete <laughs> you're so. gonna make you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna make me take it back okay i take it back i'm sorry I didn't know all that so i'm sorry i'm just having the the fans turn on you our millions of fans <laughs> now hate you exactly it's it's just you'll ridiculous. hear about it on twitter we're in the age of baseball. Baseball is back. So we, um, you know, I, I, I'll i be honest. When I was thinking baseball on Wednesday, I was like, yes, spring training games are going to be on Wednesday, which makes absolutely no sense. They're just going to be reporting from Wednesday to Friday. I'm a little bummed that it's only going to be uh, a total of three spring training games. I thought we were going to get games right away. Well, um, first of all, first of all, your vernacular is all wrong. Summer camp, not spring training. Summer, summer camp. camp. The boys yeah, are going I, to summer love- camp. I, I love how they're like it's summer camp sponsored by like they're already like selling out Camping trying to get as much yeah. as possible when they're like hey guys play for the love of the game play yeah. for the love of the game sponsored guys, by Facebook. we're gonna have no advertisements <laughs> Sony Tesla yeah uh we're and just so you know we're gonna have to do Giants are, are doing some uh, cardboard cutouts for uh, in their stands uh, I'm gonna I have to be one of those guys uh so yeah it, it, and like I told have, you uh. I said Cody Bellinger, but I think a Max Muncie home run would be more appropriate. And then it goes through your cardboard head into McCovey Cove and is a and splash hit. I think that would be sick. I'm in the left field bleacher, so you can you oh. can suck on that. Um, right, I, I we have we have one of uh, we have a great interview coming up um, for you guys. A uh, a uh, player that's played in both organizations, but before we we get into that, uh, I do want to acknowledge uh, the hundred uh, year anniversary of the Negro Leagues. They're doing the tip of, tipping of the cap for the Negro Leagues. Uh, I think the Negro Leagues were were so important, obviously, to the, to the growth of the game and and, and how uh, competitive the game should have been and how you know it wasn't without without them. Um, you know, we talk all the time about how you know certain records aren't valid and certain things aren't, you know, it's not the way it used to be. And no one ever points out that, well, those records back then shouldn't be that valid either because the guys that were playing against Babe Ruth, they, they had jobs outside of baseball. Yeah. Uh, they weren't so masters of their they craft. Weren't mas- there we go. And they didn't even have the best competitors in the game at the time, you know, to, to single out and not invite a certain race of players and then hold these you know, records like they're holy, like they're the holy grail of perfectionists. Like, no, bro, they're those are fake. And yeah. and what what's crazy is, you know, in the interview that we're that you're gonna see after this, the the same kind of sentiment of the Negro leagues and there being this exclusion, um, is kind of touched upon just in a in a different way, uh, in a current way that's still going on in 2020. Um, and you're going to get a lot of interesting perspective uh, during this interview, and I think you guys are all going to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, uh, l- without further ado, let's get into it. We welcome into the podcast former Giants prospect and a recent Dodgers minor league signee with easily the most romantic last name we've ever had on the podcast, uh, Kieran Lovegrove. What's going on, my guy? 
Not a whole ton. I, uh, aside from editing videos and sitting around the house, there's really not a whole ton to do in Arizona yeah. right now. <clears throat> yeah, we're in the same boat. That's uh, pretty much all we're doing, too. Yeah. it's there's Not much difference. This is the quarantines. I will say it has offered me a lot of free time to finally work on stuff that I want to do. Um, you know, having having now no baseball in the middle of summer, which I haven't had in uh, 20 years, whatever, however long I've been playing baseball, uh, I now get to actually sit down and, and learn something because I haven't been to school in nine years either. <laughs> so you, you were born in, in, in South Africa. When did you uh, come over to the States? I came over in 1999. I was about five years old. Uh, okay. My dad had decided that he wanted to get the family out of South Africa and into America. My mom is American, so I had dual citizenship. It was an easier move for me than it was for him. Uh, mm. But yeah, we moved to California, and at the age of five, I actually saw my first baseball game, which was a Dodgers game. And that same year, I actually got to go out on the field with Paul LaDuca and get a signed ball. And oh, wow. from, at that point, I was pretty much hooked as a as a Dodgers fan. Yeah, I am, so, I am so jealous. You do not know how many times as a kid... You know, right before the game starts and they're showing the kids running on the field. Just how many times I would ask my dad, like, how come I can't do that? Like, can you figure that out for me? I want to do that. And it never happened. I'll be honest. 20 years later, I still have no idea how I ended up there. And I'm pretty sure I just blacked out the whole time because I barely remember it. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. La Catcher guy. I appreciate the ball. I got to go. ball by and sprint <laughs> off into some <laughs> corner somewhere. <clears throat> So you, your journey is, uh, you were drafted in 2012, um, so tell us a little bit how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, uh, well, I attended Mission Viejo High School in, in California, and uh, in 2012 was drafted in third round by the Indians, and so at 17, I flew out and started playing pro ball, and from the age of 17 to 21, maybe 22, I made about every mistake you can make in pro ball. Mm. Um, so I owe a lot of credit to the Indians organization for, instead of just you know, letting me go, they, uh, they really took the time to kind of mold me and, and grow me into an adult, into a functioning adult human being. Uh, cause I spent the first four, maybe five years with the Indians. I was there about 10 months a year, um, wow. at the complex or, or playing with the team. And so I, I owe a lot to that organization and they were a absolute class A organization. Um, Really, really enjoyed being there, but I got to the end of my seventh year, and it didn't look like there was going to be a spot in the bullpen, so I decided to kind of test myself in free agency, uh, and it, it went really well. I got a great offer from the Giants, and <clears throat> I liked the direction they were moving in. I was like, all right, <clears throat> put it on the line. Let's go out there and see if we can do something. Got into big league camp. Didn't do great. Didn't do terrible. Kind of middle of the road. Kind of as we were going through, we realized they had signed a good amount of pitchers so i was going to move down to double a and was with a great team there started off really well and then the injury started rolling mm. and it was just one thing after another um and then my performance just suffered so in june of that year in june of 2019 i was released by the giants picked up by the orioles uh didn't do much with the orioles because i played about a month before the symptoms of lupus took over and i just i couldn't play i was too fatigued everything hurt too badly we didn't know what it was um, we were doing blood tests, we were doing this and that and the other, and couldn't find an answer. So I actually went home early in 2019, uh, really starting to question whether or not I was going to continue to play. 
and mm-hmm. started to see some doctors, really started to focus on nutrition and health and everything. And slowly the body started to feel a lot better. And, um, you know, I had some help actually, I'll mention it now because I'm not under contract and I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> I got my medical card in like October of that year. Mm-hmm. And I started using it to help me sleep and I started using it for like the pain and everything. And immediately quality of life just improved. Mm-hmm. I was sleeping every night as opposed to, I used to sleep like maybe three, four nights a week and half sleep the other ones, if that. So I, I genuinely started to feel better. And then I, I kind of said to myself, you know what, you can go back out there and play another year. And then in November, they decided they were no longer going to test for marijuana. And that was probably the best news every single yeah, one of us exactly. has heard. Uh, my symptoms really started up, I think, right around July of that mm-hmm. year. So I was already with the Orioles at that point. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because I signed with them in June or late June. Mm-hmm. You were you were diagnosed be- way before then, or this is when you found no, out? we had no idea. Oh, wow. Even going through this, I had no idea why I was waking up in the morning with just like serious joint pain and stiffness. Mm-hmm. And I'd kind of be up for a few hours and then I would just be exhausted. Like, yep, fully exhausted. I I actually know it. Well, not exactly what you mean, but um, my wife actually was diagnosed with lupus and she was 15 and they were going to like call it a day and pronounce her dead. But she's she's been living with it for a long time. So I I see it actually a lot every single day. So everything yeah. that you're saying is, you know, I know. Well, I don't know exactly the pains of it, but I, I, I see it and that, that shit's rough, man. Yeah. You know, and I, like I'm the, lucky. Mine is, mine is relatively mild. Uh, mm-hmm. When mine gets bad, it's the joint pains and the fatigue. But yep. mm-hmm. so far as I know now, there's no kidney damage. There's no, you know, mm-hmm. there's no major issues coming from it. Uh, but we got me on the medication and the medication's helped and the sleep has helped and the supplementation that I do has helped. At one point I was taking 60 uh, supplement pills a day. 30 in the morning 30 at night just to try and regulate my body and it worked and so I decided I told my agent I'm like you know what I'm back I want to play you know let's see what's on the table Mm -hmm. and uh there were four teams that came through and the Dodgers were actually the last one so I think it was the Twins the A's uh, someone else and then my agent said hey and the Dodgers are coming in they're interested and I said don't care what the money is I'm going there like it's just it was a dream of mine to play for the Dodgers since course, I was five yeah. years old and so I said I'm gonna go with my gut and go there mm-hmm. uh from day one when I met with the director of player development I kind of felt like I had made the right choice mm-hmm. it just the the culture that they have there there's a reason that I think they're going to be a successful franchise for as long as that front office is in uh in play they just have a culture there that is level. There is no one better or worse than the other. Everyone can talk to everyone else. It's just, I mean, it's what I think baseball should be. Whether you're brand new to pro ball or you're a 10-year veteran, you should be able to exchange information and get better yeah. from it. Um, you know, whether you're the director of player development or the clubby, you you end up getting the same amount of respect from the players. Mm-hmm. And they just have this amazing culture in that clubhouse. And just even being there for the two and a half months that I was uh, really made me excited for baseball this year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then it all got ripped out from under me and uh, here we are in the quarantines. (laughs) But I mean, that's how it goes. The things like this happen. 
You know, it, it's crazy, you know, you saying that everyone's just so respectful and doesn't really have an ego about anything, and it seems like the front office really cares about their players. You know, last week on our podcast, I had asked our guest just a shot-in-the-dark question about Andrew Tolls because we hadn't heard about him for a year and a half, and then three days later, you know, we get that yeah, breaking news story. about what's going on with him. But I think that kind of speaks to, you know, the level of integrity of that front office that for a year and a half, why Andrew Tolls was having these issues, no one in the world knew what was going on. Yeah. There was never a leak of information, you know, <clears throat> apparently they had tried to get him help, which he refused, but, you know, it really does seem like they, they care about their players outside of baseball. And, you yeah. know, they're not just treated as this commodity that's put out on the field to make them money. They care about them as human beings. So it, it's nice to know, I mean, you know, you're kind of cooperating <laughs> that, and we, we've heard that from, from other people, but that's good to know that. Yeah. You, you always want to think that, but it's it's nice to, to know you're not crazy and not just being biased because it's your team, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually actually being in there and seeing it firsthand and, and them giving awards to staff members for kind of going above and beyond the Call of Duty. I mean, they just did a lot of things in there. They had a uh, like a cook-off competition where – they had all the players and the staff. They could bring whatever they wanted, um, and they just did basically a giant food tasting event one day. I remember seeing like, yeah, it's like Carl Crawford's family owns like a barbecue joint, and they came and fed everyone. So it's yeah. just they do a lot of cool things outside of baseball. It's not just drill baseball, baseball, baseball all day long, because it just it doesn't work. No, With the amount no. of hours that we put in we need some sort of a, a release valve for all the pressure that we build up on ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And when I walked in and, you know, I walked to the pitching coordinator, I said, Hey, do I need to wear anything specific to go out? No one's really in a uniform. And he goes, there's, there's no rules here. You wear what you want. <laughs> well, okay then. Like it, it was a, it was a team that really embraced individuality because it was those you know, we'll use the 25-man roster. Those 25 individuals come together and make a team. It's mm -hmm. not a team comprised of just 25 players. Each person brings something special and uh, kind of unique to the table. And if you can embrace that, I think you can build a culture like what the Dodgers have. And I think the the Giants were kind of in an in-between stage when I was there. Mm -hmm. They had the, you know, the World Series team. They still had the core of that. Yep. And yet there were all these young guys coming up that, to me, it almost felt like they were afraid to be themselves because there were people in that clubhouse who didn't really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, <clears throat> to, to that point, I, I've seen an interview before with Mike Clevenger. I'm a big Mike Clevenger fan. I think he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking about being able to be <laughs> an individual, I think he personifies that, you know, to the nth degree. But did you ever experience anything like that coming up in the minors where in this one interview he talks about, you know, people would give him shit for having long hair. Like he hasn't earned the right to have long hair because he's not in the big leagues. Or if he has too big of a leg kick, Jeez. they're going to give him shit. I mean, did you ever experience anything like that where you felt like you're stepping on someone's toes because you're you're not in the bigs yet by doing something that you just like doing? Yeah, uh constantly uh 
constantly it feels like, oh, well, I haven't earned the right to say this, haven't earned the right to do this. Um, and in a way, it's it's kind of bullshit. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are certain things, yes, you earn when you get to the big leagues. But, like, your hair, your style choices, those are what make you who you are. Those are off-the-field right. things. Now, should you wear a shirt with, like, a racial slur on it? No, I don't think you should. That's common <laughs> sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. But to be able to, you know, for me, like, right now, you can't see because I don't have a camera on, but I've got my nails painted, and I'm actually going tomorrow to get them redone. Like, it's just something I like. I think it looks pretty cool for me. Yeah. I just, that's how, I never did it when I was in pro ball because there was this fear of, oh, well, what if so Someone's going to say something, yeah. I wish I had taken the approach much earlier on in my career to just say, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to be me. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy playing the game that way. When I was coming up, I had a really bad temper. And instead of redirecting it, some coaches were like, well, you just need to not show any emotion. Mm-hmm. Well, be more like Kluber, be more like Kluber. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just not possible for me. Yeah. I spent I spent more energy trying to contain my frustration than I would have had I just let it out and gone back and focused up again. And that's what I kind of found out is when I play the game relaxed and I have emotion and, oh, okay, I'm frustrated, but you know what? We'll get the next one. And I don't try to keep it all in. I usually don't have as much frustration. It doesn't build up as yeah. much. Just being yeah, able to smile on the mound is a is a nice change. Yeah, I think even Desmond uh, kind of commented on that with with his statement when he uh, decided to step out of this year's season. He was talking about the the culture of of of, of baseball basically, and uh, basically I think what what came off was kind of like the older style of you know oh don't be such a this I can say whatever I want it's not a big deal and you know, I, I just it. I feel like that's so toxic, especially when it comes to trying to, you know, be yourself and in turn being yourself. That makes you a better player. So yeah. I just, I, I, I don't get it. Um, I, I actually like one thing that um, Hunter Pence was always saying when pe- when guys would come up. I mean, I'm not sure exactly. You know, I mean, like <laughs> I'm not there to witness it, but he was saying like, you know, I never understood the whole idea when when guys come up. And you know you haze them and and you make them earn a right. Like no, if they're up here, they're up here for a reason, and they're ge- they're there to help you win. So why would you not help them and celebrate them and let them be who they are? You know. I, yeah, I think there's. I'm okay. I wouldn't say rookie hazing. I think hazing is is not the right thing. I think mm-hmm. rookie like integration. Mm-hmm. Bring them in, break the ice with them, let them, yeah. you know, do something kind of, to kind of loosen up, and. Don't feel, don't make them feel as if they are now under the pressure of 24 other guys who, mm-hmm. uh, who seem like they're, you know, better or more established or this or that. That's where, that's where I think the Indians really had it right. The Indians okay. don't have their complex separated. They encourage interaction between major leaguers and minor leaguers. Um, whereas a lot of teams, I mean, the Orioles are a perfect example they're two completely separate facilities for spring training. They're like wow. five minutes apart. And so the amount of interaction you get between major leaguers and minor leaguers is so minimal that there's hardly any opportunity for these guys to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, imagine being a 22 year old stud who's just cruised through the minor leagues. And now you get up to the big leagues and you haven't met any of these guys. 
all they see is a 22-year-old kid who just came up and took one of the other guy's spots. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, oh, you know, there's Sean. We met him in spring. He's a cool guy. Welcome. Let's go win some ball games. Mm-hmm. You know, that 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 pressure of getting up to the big leagues doesn't need to be made worse by now I have to impress 24 guys or make them like me. Well, I, I mean, I can't imagine the sort of pressure of, you know, you're coming up through the minor leagues, you've set this goal, you've worked your whole life to get to this point, and now it's kind of being stifled because you can't be who you are or you're you're afraid to be who you are because you don't want to throw away that dream. You know, you don't want to be the guy that gets shit on for having his nails painted or having long hair or any other, you know, stupid shit like that. And, you know, it could totally just stifle someone's career and just stifle them as a person. Yeah. and Confidence confidence is the number one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, why would you, if you're, you know, a fellow minor leaguer, big leaguer, you know the steps that you had to take to get there. So why would you ever want to shit on someone and put them down for trying to do what you're doing. It just doesn't make any, I don't know, it doesn't make and, any sense. And for some guys, they didn't really have a struggle in the minor leagues because they were that talented. Sure. Mm-hmm. So they may, they may genuinely not have comprehension of how difficult it can be to be, you know, for me, this would have been my ninth year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they may not understand that it has been an absolute grind for me because I've not only been fighting, you know, the physical side of baseball, but the mental side of baseball and off the field. There's so much more that goes into being a baseball player than just getting out there and throwing a ball. Yeah. You know, I think this is actually, I think, where maybe fans have have a little bit short-sightedness is they look at players and they go, well, they're a major league athlete. They should be able to be performing every single day at the highest level. But, you know, there's so much that goes on outside of the field that can affect what you're doing. Whether it's, you know, you're out on the road and your girlfriend calls you late at night because she has to go to the hospital because she's sick. Or, um, you know, your your one of your parents is sick, or you got broken up with. There's so many things outside of the field, and it's really hard to not carry that into play. Especially, you know, it keeps you up at night. You've been up for two days straight. There were stretches where I was up for three, four days straight because of my insomnia, mm. and I'd be trying to pitch, and I'd go from, you know, the first day having slept the night before 96, 98, to the fourth day 89, 91. And just with nothing behind it. Yeah, I think uh, I think Trevor Bauer was saying um, I, I saw something where he was talking about like, man, someone should do a short film on on the minor leagues and and guys that are coming up where you know you're just on a five hour bus ride <clears> or something <throat> and then you have no sleep and then you get called up and you get rushed over there you haven't slept in a in a solid day and then all of a sudden you're supposed to perform in front of like. 30,000 dudes and you, I mean, 30,000 people, and then you get shelled and everyone hates you. Like it's, you know, you don't see that side of it. Yeah. The hidden, the hidden side of baseball. This is, I actually was talking about this with a lot of guys. I think it's time for another minor league movie, but I don't think it should take the route of Bull Durham. Granted, minor league baseball is one of the funniest environments in the world, Mm -hmm. but it is also one of the most tragic. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is so much that goes on behind the scenes with players, um, that I really wish a film could show the struggles of minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys putting themselves into debt to play the ga- game, guys leaving behind families to play the game. It's just, it's not as easy as, oh, well, they get to play a kid's game for a living. No, definitely. And 
you know, that, that brings us to, to one um, question I really wanted to ask you if, if there was any like misconceptions about minor league baseball and, and, or if there's something that just needs to be doubled down on, what, what do you think it would be like the number one thing? Number one thing's got to be a living wage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ridiculous at this point. Sixteen hundred dollars yeah. to, I'm not. There was a, there was a point where we played twenty two straight games, while traveling. Mm-hmm. If you ask anybody in the, in whatever industry, if they've worked twenty one or twenty two straight days, in the fucking sun, in the middle of August, <laughs> yeah. in some god riding a bus, humid state with <clears throat> ninety three degrees and one hundred percent humidity. Riding a bus, sleeping in shitty hotels, they might change their opinion. Or if you make them do it, that's yeah. the thing. I wish there was like a Dover <clears throat> schmo again and just be like, "All right, oh, let's geez. take some random dude off the street. You get to go through a minor league season." Mm-hmm. And I think as as a fan too, you don't you don't realize it because it's not really widely broadcasted. You know, I as a kid, you know, going going to minor league games like we were talking about before we were recording, um, how I I grew up, you know, going to those Lancaster Jethawks games. You just assumed that they were making money. I mean, they're going to be major league players. You know, you don't really understand everything, obviously. Yeah. You're like, oh, they're going to be major league players. They're obviously, you know, making money. And then, like, you get a little bit older and you hear, like, oh, actually, they don't they don't really make that much. And then you see someone like Tyler Sear post on Twitter his paycheck after winning, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, AAA the AAA championship. championship. Got like, for a year. Yeah, this is this is what uh, a, champ, a AAA champion makes, like. It's embarrassing when you're a part of an, uh, uh, I guess, a company that makes billions and billions of dollars a year, and they can't kick something down to their minor leaguers to invest in their, in their future. It just doesn't. It's no, it's and, not cool. And the fact it takes seven years to become a free agent in the minor yeah. leagues. Yeah. Even if you come out of college, I mean, <clears> if you come out of college, you're 22 years old. Seven years in pro ball is an eternity. Yep. I mean, I was lucky to come out at 17, and I spent seven years, and it felt long. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that rule is the one that needs to change. I think minor leaguers should be five years, and I think college guys should be four, mm-hmm. if that. Because the average minor league career is only, what, three and a half years? Your first half season, and then three mm-hmm. more, and then that's usually it. And so even getting to that point where you might get a free agent deal that's worth ten grand a month is rare. Yeah, that's 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 incredibly mind blowing to me. I mean, there's a actually perfect example. Sam Selman. He was mm-hmm. up in the big leagues last year with the Giants, uh, yep. one of my absolute favorite teammates that I've had. But he was sitting there in February going, well, you know, I might just retire and become an accountant. I don't really know if this game's right for me. And he got in just through sheer luck with the giants and they gave him, I think four grand a month, mm-hmm. but he ended up being in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. And this was a guy that was just left behind by the system. Mm-hmm. And with, with teams getting dwindled down in the minor leagues, you know, losing teams potentially, I, it's, it's not official yet, but there's going to be a lot more, you know, a lot less chances and a lot less stories like Sam Selman and, and, you know, like a Tyler, Tyler Rogers, Rogers who was, who was in the, um, he was in the and minor leagues for what? I think it was like seven or nine years. I think he was at seven years. He was about to become yeah. a free agent, which is part of the reason he got called up. But if you look at his numbers, he should have been in oh the my. big leagues in 2017. Yep. He's he's um because I, I obviously don't follow every single minor league player, but I follow um you know I, I check all the box scores and I and I um I look through stuff. He was one guy, especially because in 2017, 
Giants had a terrible bullpen. I'm like, what? I don't. Maybe I just don't understand what's going on because I'm only looking at box scores. I'm like, this guy has had consistently great years. Why is he not getting called up? This doesn't he, make he any sense two to me. Whatever in the PCL, which is a hitter's it's, paradise, yeah, exactly. for three straight years. Uh huh. I mean, and, uh, he. I played catch with him one time, and I've never had a more difficult game of catch. <laughs> yeah, I think he, it's just I, incredible. I, like, yeah, like um, like I was saying, I was just looking at box scores. I didn't know he was a submariner uh, until you know, to not not when I saw him because they were talking about him a little bit before he came up. Um, you know, I I didn't know that you don't you don't see that by just looking at a box score, you know. Yeah. And, and then there was like, okay, maybe that's why he didn't cut up. But like, dude, if the numbers are low. Who gives a shit if he throws out his ankles behind his head? I mean, if it's obviously to, working. If you've got a great infield defense, why wouldn't you get a guy who is the king of getting ground balls? Exactly. Yep. I mean, no, that never made sense to me. And, you know, that's where I kind of say the Giants were in a transition period when I got there in 19. Mm-hmm. They had switched out the front offices. And, yeah. boy, was there a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of kind of bad feelings in the air. That's Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, can, when a guy like when a guy like Chris Shaw gets sent down to Double A, mm-hmm. and you're and you're looking at this way the way he played in spring, he hit a 500 foot home run at the Scottsdale Stadium <laughs> that uh-huh. went into the practice field on the. I've never seen a ball hit like that. Mm-hmm. And then he went out in Double A and he just hit every ball hard. Right. Yeah. And he was playing in Richmond, which is a graveyard. Exactly. And he was hitting yep. balls off the fence, Oppo, and the whole time he was there, he had the best attitude i've ever seen really i mean there was a perfect example of a game uh we were in erie we had just come off a pretty decent losing streak we won a game the erie uh uh, clubby had a pa in there with a microphone i was like hey who wants to sing karaoke i was like shaw and he goes all right (laughs) and something about shaw he loves creed Creed is his favorite band. <laughs> oh no. That is so crazy. He's saying he's saying with arms wide open, five and a half minute song, start to finish, full on like vein in his neck going. He was Yeah. Having, that right there was like You need to have your shirt like if he was wearing his jersey, I expect I expect his shirt to be open and let oh, flow. It was the I fans mean fans going and if you've, ever, if you've ever seen Chris Shaw, he is one of the mm-hmm. best looking dudes in baseball. Like he's got the uh, jaw. GQ guy, mean, Boston guy. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. you know, jacked, everything. And then he's out there singing Creed and just having a blast. And this was a guy who probably should have been in the big leagues, having an absolute ball yep. in Erie, Pennsylvania, double A, you know, Eastern League. Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of guys that I love to have in baseball. And you know, they they are few and far between, but they're they're important to have. And guys like that get lost sometimes. Yeah, yeah he's 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 a guy that I mean he was a first round pick, so obviously you know that's one of the guys that I was really closely following. Um, but yeah, I've actually I, I heard about you through KMBR. I'm not sure if you uh, heard they were talking about you when you were picked up, and uh, I started following you after that and in, in, in your journey. And it's it's seemed to be a really long exhausting you know thing and it's it seems like you're in in really good spirits is there like i don't know something that's like helping you carry through or um i mean i try to i try to find silver linings in everything mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's helped me in the past i've dealt with my own mental health issues with cyclothymia and depression and, and you know things that people deal with and it's so mm-hmm. taboo to talk about it in baseball it took me until 2018 to start seeing a psychologist. 
Mm. Um, and I was dealing with problems probably from the age of 18. So, you know, however many years ago, I don't want to do math. Six years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's just always been so taboo to talk about, oh, I'm struggling yeah. with this. You can't, for the most part, turn to a teammate and say, man, I'm bummed out today. Like, I remember I was in, I think I was in Lynchburg when Anthony Bourdain died. And I was just super bummed out that day. Mm-hmm. And I went to my manager and he and I were just talking and he's like, oh, how you doing? I'm like, honestly, man, I am fucking down today. Like, I am just bummed out. And he goes, I'll keep that in mind. Like, if if you don't feel up to it, then I won't have you throw today. Mm-hmm. If there was more of that, I yeah. really think this game would be in a better spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you see that? The um the thing that Kevin Love put out? Mm, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Like a couple of years ago? That yeah. yeah, yeah. No, You're no, no. About his anxiety? Just, yeah, his anxiety. He was, he's like, he um, did like this video talking about like the taboo of mental illness in sports and um, had like a big donation um, to um, to organizations and stuff. So um, I feel like, you know, I maybe like our, you know, in, in this generation, we're a little bit more, um, understanding because I think you know a lot of people go through it um, and you know I think the power of social media where you get to see your favorite athletes and just any athlete show their human side and you tend to relate to them more I think I don't know I feel like it is going to turn a corner and we are going to get there yeah I, I definitely think our generation's better at it I remember there were times I was sitting in the bullpen talking about my issues uh, just you know having bullpen conversation and uh <laughs> guys were like, man, it's really, it's impressive that you can talk about that. I'm like, I have to, I have to be able to talk about it if yeah. I ever want to kind of conquer it. I can't shy away from the fact that I have these, these issues. Can't be ashamed of it. Yeah. I mean, I, this is the card. These were the, monster. these were the cards I was dealt. I've got to play a hand though. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to find a way to make it work. And I figured the more I can talk about it, the more it might inspire one, maybe two other guys to feel okay talking about it, mm-hmm. to turn I to someone and say, back. Hey, you know, I know you struggle with it. Do you have any resources? Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, teams are setting up EAPs now. They're they have resources for guys, but most players don't know that they can reach out uh, anonymously and get these these resources. That that was kind of going to be my next question. Is you know, because <clears throat> I had always just assumed because these teams have so much money that there's you know, doctors on staff, I would just imagine that there's therapists, psychiatrists, but it seems like that's wrong. And I'm definitely assuming <laughs> for minor league baseball, because they don't want to invest any money in that. There's nothing like that. So is, I, I guess my question would be, do you know if they have any sort of confidential kind of therapy or psychiatrist where they can go to this team, psychiatrist or therapist and the manager doesn't necessarily have to know or player development doesn't necessarily have to know because I think that's where a lot of the stigma kind of stems from is people don't want the higher-ups to know because they're afraid it might affect their playing time or their movement throughout the minor leagues. So you're absolutely right. For a long time, there was nothing. Uh, Or if there was a psychologist psychologist on staff, they were a sports psychologist. They were mm-hmm. there to help you grow the mental game and to be better on a mound or in a batter's box. Right. Which mm-hmm. obviously important, but 
you know, if you if you show up to the field and you're you've already lost the battle, there's nothing they can do between that time to get you to get you right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they have set up the EAP at a lot of different uh, organizations. I know the Giants had it. I know the Indians had it, and I know the Dodgers set it up this year. Um, it's the employee employee assistance program. Uh, you reach out to whoever the team's liaison is. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, it's one of the mental skills coaches or sports science guys. They keep it confidential. It is entirely between you and them. They pass whatever information, you know, whatever list of psychologists in the area that you can go to that are approved by them. Um, and from there, it's entirely on you. That's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, one step at a time. <clears throat> Um, so I know we've talked about a lot of, you know, a, a couple things that aren't, you know, favorable um, as far as things that are going right, um, going on in baseball. Is there something that's like that tops that and, you know, even, you know, something like what's the best part of, I guess, about the, uh, you know, the minor leagues and, and where you're at right now? Uh, well, for me personally, the best part about right now and, and technically my contract will end tomorrow, July 1st. Um, mm-hmm. Because the Dodgers are releasing all one-year contract guys, which was an expected thing. They actually held out longer than most teams, so we continued to get our stipend for an extra two weeks, uh, which was awesome. You mm-hmm. know, can't thank them enough for that. Uh, but now I have the freedom to kind of do what I want, uh-huh. which is freeing in a, we- in a weird way. Yeah. Which is why I was like, you know what? I'm going to put together a video and do it in Japanese and see what happens. So I have... <laughs> So I watched that video last night, and I was kind of confused because when you said you were using a um, like a translation a translation app, I didn't know if that was producing the voice <laughs> or that was actually you speaking Japanese because I know like you apologize for your poor Japanese, but I'm over here sitting like this is incredible. Like if you <laughs> so, speak in Japanese, like this is insane. So I'll, give, right now. I'll give away the secret for that video. I re-recorded those lines probably fifteen fucking times. There were certain <laughs> well, words. I mean, even even being able to do that and having the yeah. the four. I re-record videos fifteen times insane. in English. I've also <laughs> I've also watched. Uh, I mean, I've just I've been a huge anime fan my whole life. It started when I was a kid, and Toonami would come on on Cartoon Network and. They'd play Inuyasha and Dragon Ball Z, and I was like, this is the coolest shit ever. Yeah. And then when I started to watch it in Japanese, I've just been listening to it for so long that the sounds are kind of in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I had it out phonetically, I could just sort of say it. And I, I typed out all my stuff, and I used a translator that translates it from English to Japanese and then back to English. Because a lot of the times you get the first translation and it comes back and it spits out something way off the wall. Right. <laughs> so you have to change your wording a little bit. And then once I did that, I actually sent out the script to a buddy of mine in Tokyo. And he looked it over and he's like, yeah, there's a few big translation errors, but honestly, it's pretty good. And then I just recorded those lines and threw together some video on Premiere. And I was like, let's see what happens. And now I think we're sitting at 21,000 views on YouTube. Jeez. And. Yeah. I was kind of like, all right, we've caught lightning. Now I don't know what to do with it. Uh-huh. So I figured, all right, I'm just going to keep making videos that are half in Japanese, half in English. I'll throw subtitles in because it's not terribly difficult to do. It's time yeah. consuming. But um, yeah. But also the amount of support I got from Japanese fans, uh, I guess them hearing that I wanted to go to Japan and play. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. I've never felt that level of support. 
That's crazy. I mean, so, maybe maybe back when I signed with the Indians and there was that initial kind of explosion. Yeah. But nothing like this. I mean, there are people offering for me to stay with them. There are people offering to sign me up for uh, amateur leagues and stuff just to have me play. Mm-hmm. Uh, genuinely just so overwhelmed by how supportive uh, everyone was in, in response to that video. And it just made me want to keep keep at it. So what what does that technically look like now that as of tomorrow you'll be released from your contract with the Dodgers? Are you not, let's say a Japanese team approached you right now, is that not able to happen because of your contractual obligation until tomorrow? So is no, tomorrow so, kind of like the big day? or No, here's another reason why I think the Dodgers do things right. We had a Zoom call about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks, mm-hmm. um, where they were kind of talking about what the situation was looking like. And I asked our director of player development, I said, hey, you know, first one-year deal, guys, are we on retainer until next year or should we start looking at other options? And he goes, honestly, I think it's probably a good idea to look at other options. Um, We will release your contract to whoever contacts you. If you get an Mm -hmm. offer from Korea, Japan, Taiwan, uh, we won't hold you back. So the only reason they were keeping us under contract till the first was to get that extra stipend payment. Um, But they would have, you know, had June 21st, a team said, hey, you know, come play in Korea. Uh, They would have released the contract and and I could have gone over there without any issue. That's super cool. So, you know, I think the the question on everyone's mind is, since that video has been produced, have you, has anyone reached out to you? Has any NPB team or KBO team or any of those leagues overseas contacted you? Uh, That'd be a big no. (laughs) No, I'm having everyone go through my agent, but I think right now, Mm -hmm. honestly, I don't think any of the borders are open to U.S. Mm -hmm. citizens. Okay. Um, yeah, that I know Japan. Makes I know Japan's closed work visas. I think Korea has closed work visas. I don't know about Taiwan. Europe has. So <clears throat> even if I did get an offer, I don't know what I could do with it at the moment. Jeez. Yeah. That so, sucks, uh, man. but you know what? Like I said, kind of silver linings. I now have time where I can sit at home and study and learn and. If I'm going to get better at Japanese, I'm just going to have to drill it, you know, a few hours yeah, a day. Yeah. And I kind of want to keep this this video thing going on YouTube, partially because it'd be cool to, you know, make videos about what I'm doing and then hopefully travel and play baseball and make videos about that. Yeah. But secondly, uh, as kind of like a, a log of my Japanese over the months, to look back at the first couple of videos and go, oh, my God, I really could not speak at all. Um, yeah Yeah, and it gives you time to you know hang out with us and 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 talk to us for for a bit so we're we're thankful for it at least yeah i've always been really uh forgetful about podcasts because everyone will be like hey do you want to come on and be like yeah sure and then i'll just my brain will go blank and i'll forget entirely Uh uh-huh yep uh so i'm really glad that you kind of you reached out and you stuck with it because there's a lot of times where i will just absolutely forget things i'm i'm pretty persistent you can't get rid of me you know but this, I like trying to for a while. I like the the Giants Dodgers. Uh, the what's the word I'm looking for? Dynamic angle. Thank you. Yeah, dynamic angle. <laughs> I <laughs> think uh, we we had the idea just because I mean I'm I'm always in the I've lived in Southern California my whole life you know so yeah. I mean all my friends are Giants I mean Dodgers fans my wife's a huge Dodger fan so like you know 
That way I can, you know, have my, my, my friends guilt them into listening. So it's like you have no reason not to listen to it, you know? It's it's always funny to me when Dodgers and Giants fans have so much animosity towards one another. Uh-huh. Because without the other, uh, the rivalry yes. wouldn't exist. We would be we would be the Royals. That's that's what and, we. <laughs> and let's be honest. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like the, the David. Fans, like yeah. we we need each other. We hate each other, but we need each other. You yeah. know. Like I just I've never understood the actual vitriol between fans. Like you both yeah. love one mm-hmm. sport and you are supporting a team. There's no reason to hate each other. No, There's it doesn't make sense. Respectful we do it. Rivalry, but yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, that's I mean, the thing too. Like. Going going up to games, there's a way to like, you know, it, it's in in a way, and you know, I, this this might be a little weird, um, you know, especially going into my wife's family is a huge Dodger fan. It's a nice icebreaker, you know. It's yeah. a way to sit sit down at a game, and you you know you you jive a little bit with with the people that are uh, that are at the game. You talk a little shit, and you know, it's you can obviously tell who's there to like kind of throw jabs and, and joke around, and then you're and then you're friends like the whole time even though you're kind of talking shit to each other yeah no and and you, and you can definitely and, pick out who's who's a problem and you know yeah there's <laughs> certainly people there that are just there to either get drunk or call shit yeah exactly and that i actually can't watch baseball games in the stands anymore really? it just it i just don't enjoy being around fans who and i hate to say it have zero clue what they're talking about yeah mm-hmm. oh, um and, and the best the best way i'll put it is uh, if you're a fan, you can't do what we do. Yep. Because you'd be out on the field if you could. Yep. And I'm just, I, I, I sit I, in the I, stands and I hear them talk about, oh, this, why would you do this? Or come on, throw strikes. And I'm like, boy, it is painful yeah. to sit here. I, I got to be honest, though. I, I'll, I'll, um, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, when you, when you love something so much, you say things that don't make sense. You know yeah, what I mean? So I, I, can I definitely, I definitely when when things happen, I'm like you motherfucker, you know. I get I get so upset, yeah. but I know for a fact, somebody. yeah. If I get thrown in in one of the like the little wreck teams out here, I'll probably still get destroyed, you know. Like I I, I know I have no place out there, but <clears throat> you know I'm, oh, I'm yeah. gonna question I'm gonna I, question I, a three time World Series champion MVP of Buster Posey when he looks at third a third called strike. I'm gonna do it just to just to get out my frustration. Yeah, but, it's always, the one that always gets me is when people swing at you know quote unquote bad pitches. Mm-hmm. And I look back and I go, all right, well, what were the previous pitches? Was he set up for that? Did he yeah. have any chance in hell of hitting that ball? No, but because then I think ties executed. Yeah, and then I think ties into the fans who don't know what they're talking about. You know, yeah. I think my biggest frustration is with baseball in particular because I, you know, have been watching this so devotedly since I was five. Like I know a fair amount, and I played baseball you know, up until I was 16 and, you know, whatever. But when people try to talk to me as if they know something and they don't, yeah, it's my biggest <laughs> pet peeve because I don't have the heart to just keep going in a conversation and pretend like everything is okay. Yeah, I you mean, know? there have been people where I've heard them, you know, oh, I could do it. And I'm like, I'm free. Stand in the box. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I remember... Let so me push you a, back a little bit and then yeah. throw you a slider away and see what you do with it. Like There's a league out here that I was playing in <clears throat> in Los Angeles. It's called the PCBL. Uh, and I was Name playing drop. with my friend. I was <laughs> playing with my friend who 
pitched four years of college and that was it for him. So it was a lot of fun for him. And I hadn't played since I was like 16. You know, I was used to playing softball. But I remember we played a team that had two ex minor league players on the team and they were both pitchers. And I stepped in the box and saw a 91, 92 mile an hour fastball, which is kind of low on the scale of what you would see in the major leagues. And it was the, I grounded out to first and I've never been so happy just to put the bat <laughs> on the ball and ground out. Cause I was like, I hit it. He didn't hit me. I didn't step out of the box, but Jesus Christ, if that was not the hardest and scariest thing that I've ever oh, experienced. It, but I ticked it. It hit the bat. You're still out. You're still fat. I, com- I actually got two ABs last year. And the first one I was facing a guy like 88, 89. And I was so excited to hit. And I like, stepped in and leaned into one and i jammed myself because i got so excited i stepped straight <laughs> into the ball and just made it so much harder on myself and then the That's second at bat was a guy it, like 92 94 good four seam and i ended up going i think eight pitches against him and striking out and i threw my bat and i threw my helmet and then like 20 seconds later i was like why am i mad about this yeah i'm not a hitter anymore this is for hit since me to do high school yeah that's one thing I, I, I've always wondered about uh, pitchers. I know us as NL fans were always like, we don't like the DH, and we'd rather it, it, it um, you know, it be both, you know, because of yeah. you know guys like Madison Bumgarner and stuff. But like, you know, when it comes to to you guys, are you like, dude, I'm so glad I don't have the freaking bat. Why, why do I want to be in there? Or is it like, no, I want the shot to do it. Like, I think okay, every pitcher will tell you like, yeah, I'm gonna rake. <laughs> and then they'll get in that bat and they'll lay down a bunt and they'll be like, fuck, that was terrifying. You know, and that's like 98. And they don't set you up to, to succeed either because they don't have you bat all through the minor league. So you go no. from either high school and college, right? And then like all of a sudden you get thrown into like Andrew Suarez. They were talking about when his when he got the call up and he had to bat for himself. They were like, uh, he actually hasn't hit uh, since he was in Little League. It's like, what? <laughs> and you no, want him to do What? It's ridiculous, and you know what? Uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. It is a lot of fun for us to do it. Like uh-huh. last year when I was with the Giants, uh, I was always kind of on the. I was there if if anyone ever needed a pinch runner, I was kind of the guy to go to. Yeah. And we never got to that point, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. I would have stolen all the bags. <laughs> but uh, I would swipe so many bags. But I think Ricky like, Henderson. Even even pitchers were a little bit better equipped to deal with it than the normal person because we play catch every day. Uh-huh. I mean, guys are letting, letting it eat, you know, at 80 feet. And so we see, we track the ball a lot subconsciously. But when you step in and it's 94 and you haven't seen 94 since 2011, I don't care how, how much your brain thinks you can hit the ball, your body will not cooperate with you. I looked yeah. back at the video and I was so disappointed because I looked like a pitcher. <laughs> See, but I I can respect you going eight pitches because for me in that time that I was just talking about previously, I was swinging at every pitch no matter what because well, I just he, wanted he it to be me, over with. He made me take a <laughs> cutter, which I didn't think I was going to do, but he actually he came up the next at bat or the next inning and he just stood there with the bat on his shoulders and watched three on the outer half and went, all right, I'm going back to the dugout. Like, oh, maybe I should have done that. Yeah, but, that that seems a lot easier. I like oh, that idea. So much more relaxing. Yeah, so, it's it's crazy though that, <clears throat> and just the last point on it that that some pitchers really do rake. 
You oh, know, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, no like, look at someone like Michael Lorenzen. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, no, say, say it, say it, Tyler. Say what? Say his name. No, oh, I you mean that guy who pitches for the Diamondbacks? <laughs> why, why you got to bring up old shit? Oh, that was different. Actually, you know uh, who does kind of break is Zach Granke. He has a better career yeah, hitter than oh, Jeff Mathis. Yeah, dude, that is my really? favorite stat. I, oh yeah, I. I loved Zach Greinke when he was a Dodger just because his personality, he just seems kind of like an asshole introvert, and I love it. So and awkward. he could hit. He, was, he is who I always – he is who I actually am on the inside, which is extremely socially it. anxious and awkward. Yeah. Uh, I've over the years kind of gotten over that a little bit, but he is the perfect example of someone who went, I'm not going to be a jock. Nah, yeah. I'm just going to do what I want to do. No, okay. I love it. Yeah, it, it all those pictures, he looks like a serial killer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, And that's that's the other reason I love Bauer. Bauer just said, I don't like the way the system works. I'm going to do what I can to fix yep. it. I'm just going to you know, start you know my own company. What's funny is he grew up in my hometown, and I've actually played against him in Little League a bunch. And, I mean, ever since did we you were Did you get kid, a hit off him at least? No. So Well, maybe – but I remember in like a semi-championship game when we were like 12, he threw a one-hitter against my team when we were 12. He's just, so we we he's, always kind of knew he was going to be a stud. He is an intelligent baseball player who's not afraid to actually speak out against the system. Right. And as much shit as he gets, I think we're going to look back in, let's say, 10 years, and we're just going to put our, our face in our hands and go, oh my god, he was right. He was right about yep. everything. Oh, Yeah. Well, even look at just with all the momentum stuff that he's oh, doing. It's with awesome. Momentum YouTube channel. Like, dude, watching those live ABs just in the middle of the desert. Yeah. It is. I mean, yeah, it definitely awesome. doesn't fill the hole of not having baseball, but it was something. He's that, doing more than Major League Baseball was doing for the that fans. That right there goes to show you that baseball players will play baseball regardless of money or stadiums or fans. We will just find yeah. a way to play. Yeah, the and where and when actually, sediment is legit. That's a perfect transition, actually, into what I wanted. I was kind of mentioning it before the show, uh, is that Nashville League that uh, Corbin Joseph is putting together. It is brilliant, the ideas that he has on that. Essentially, what it is is 40 guys, two teams of 20. They mm-hmm. play each other Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They make 400 bucks a week, and they don't keep stats. They're just playing to win. And all it is is it's going to keep those 40 guys in shape, the incentive yeah. is, you know, maybe Saturday night game, Mookie Betts said, hey, the winning team's going to get a new pair of Jordans. Okay, <laughs> we'll play for that. Yeah. Well, I'll play my ass off for a pair of shoes. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't matter to me. I get to play baseball yeah. and I get to be competitive. And I think that's what I think some fans miss when they were they were siding with the owners. It's like, you know, like, oh, that's not when and where. They just want the money and this and that. It's like. No, they just don't want to be taken advantage of that. Like, to your point, they'll play for free. They'll play for Jordans. They'll do whatever. But they're also not going to let billionaires make yeah. billions off them while they're getting right. peanuts and crackers. I mean, yeah, the, the league I'm talking about is minor league free agents. We Exactly, yeah. We're, we're not commanding money right now. Mm. Those guys have earned the right to make what they make. Yep. We kind of talked about earning yours. 100%, those guys have earned the right. They, the owners inked a contract that said you are worth this much for this many games. Mm-hmm. And it was ridiculous to me that everyone was so against the players just wanting to make Anish- what they would normally make for one game for however many games they played. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yes, of yeah. course, 
there wasn't fans, but you're also not making any money if you're not airing baseball games. So why drag it out longer? And, and I'm not going to get to it. It's all gone forever. Yeah, exactly. And you're not going to you're not going to continue your business, you know, not investing in your business and putting a, a product on TV while everyone's at home and no sports are on. Yeah. Would be good for your business. Yeah, we can. We yeah, can and it's just like and, don't, and don't tell me people, that's not going to make money. Finding people who can watch the games and comment as if they were actually there, you know, as players. That was the one thing I really wish I could see. And Menery started it. Bob Menery started it with his Instagram and everything. And it made me think, well, why don't they make a, an 18 plus stream where you get a couple players who aren't playing that day who can just say whatever they want to say about the game? If a guy rips a ball into the gap and they go, fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> the world's not going to burn down. No, Genuine it's... reactions would be so nice to hear. Yeah. Like, what? And yeah. I think that's kind of to, to Trevor Bauer's point about this whole thing is there was such an opportunity to get Major League Baseball back in the top tier of sports, you know, <clears throat> as far as an American sport. And it was just botched so terribly oh, it was, oh. you know nothing nothing innovative is coming out of this shortened season that we're getting when there is plenty of opportunities to do something like you're talking about to have players because wasn't that a wasn't that at the very beginning they were going to say players were going to be mic'd up yeah i mean and i that's, don't think that's, that's that happening in the national league that's something they're going to do they're going to have all the players mic'd up they're going to have off-field cameras on those three days off they might do some twitch streams they might you know, they're just going to engage oh, wow. the fans a lot more. Yeah. I mean, think about it this yeah, way. I'm going to be all over that. They, what Corbin was saying is, like, guys are going to be playing for $400 a month. If we're allowed to have 25% capacity, let's say it's 2,500 fans, at the beginning of the game, we're going to announce that everyone's making $400 a week. Sorry, a week. Um, you know, obviously, that is not a lot to live on. And we're just going to put your Venmo up there. And we're going to say, hey, to the fans, if you like the way so-and-so is played, tip them 10 bucks. Yep. Just... Give them a little something to help them along while yeah. they're trying to get back on their feet. Yep. <clears throat> or, geez, yeah. I mean, you know, I know they do 50-50 raffles and it always goes to a charity organization. But I don't think anyone would have an issue of doing a 50-50 raffle where the yeah. other 50% is split amongst the players who are making peanuts because they love the yeah. game so much. And the winner gets to, you know, whatever it may be. One of the ideas I had was you, you do like a almost a raffle system. So you can donate whatever whatever you donate, you get put into a random raffle. The winner gets to, you know, let's say go on a Twitch stream with a guy and play Call of Duty on one of their off days. Yeah, mm. just little things like that, engaging yep. the fans yeah. not only yeah, on the field but off. Eat that. Sh I mean, I'm a 30 year one year old dude with a fucking podcast, and I, I would love that shit. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, just, imagine just, a, imagine a kid who loves who like yeah, loves a tea. You know I'm, what I mean? Like, I'm like 29 a, years old, and I'm at a Dodger game three hours before for batting practice. Cause I love catching home run balls during BP and yeah, it's never going to change the, the there's been such a weird, like almost a, just a hold on player fan interaction. That isn't the most scripted, just, you know, signing the autographs and saying, yeah, I like to do that, but man, I want to interact with the fans on a different level too. I want, you know, fans that, Maybe aren't typical baseball fans. Uh, mm -hmm. One of my big, one of my big, uh, like passions is LGBTQ acceptance in baseball. Mm -hmm. It is, I mean, the things I've heard from teammates about, you know, that they would 
take off a jersey and burn it if it were a Pride Night jersey. Like these are things I've heard in bullpens. Mm. You know, guys saying that they would refuse to come to the game if they did a Pride Night. Gosh, and I'm like, and I, and honestly, I hope that would happen. Honestly, I would really hope that would happen so you can expose who who freaking thinks like that. I mean, mean, freaking kicked out. out And yeah, it's just you know now is the time to be. And unfortunately, Pride Month, obviously this month, kind of took a back seat. Uh, mm. And I got a fucking amazing new pair of Nikes, the new Nike Be True Air Force Ones, and I love them. And like I wanted to be able to show them off and, and kind of show the fans like there are allies in the baseball community. Yeah. We genuinely want you there. And there's so many of my friends who are LGBTQ who feel so uncomfortable going to baseball games. Mm-hmm. Because they're either going to be perceived as, oh, well, you don't know anything about the game or this, that, and the other. Whatever whatever twisted thought people have in their head. Other than this person wants to go and have a good time at a baseball game. Yeah, yeah. loves the game. And that's one thing I, I was listening to KMBR uh, the other day. And they were basically talking – or was it – Maybe it was a it was a it was a podcast. I'm I'm not exactly sure, but I was uh, I was listening to it and they were saying like there is think about how many players have played in Major League Baseball, you know, over the years. Do you honestly think that what what how many people have came out um, that played in Major League Baseball? Was it like two or three? Two. Uh, two. Billy Bean. Billy and, Bean um, and George. Jeez, oh, I wish I could. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I mean, I know exactly your time, but that's that's the point. There's well, a lot David more Dennis, that just didn't sorry. come out. There's David Denson, who was actually didn't... a close friend of mine who came out in his minor league career. Mm-hmm. And he and I had dinner one night when we were in Wisconsin. We were both in low A. Mm-hmm. And it was after he'd come out, and I was so proud of him. But talking to him, you could tell he was scared to play. Yeah. Think about you know being a hitter, and you don't know if that guy on the mound, whatever rhetoric he has, that he might mm-hmm. just throw at your head. He might just try and take you out. Because he feels that what you're doing is not right. That to not me, to mention I, the I, fans. And I mean, his his performance dropped significantly. This was a guy who had some of the most power I've ever seen. I mean, just a left-handed hitter with ridiculous oppo power. I mean, one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And you could tell he was genuinely scared out there on the baseball field that he was going to get taken out by somebody. Yeah, and. <clears throat> And the sad, I think the saddest part about it for me is you can totally understand why people wouldn't want to come out for reasons just like you said. And especially being in the minor leagues coming up, you know, not to sound prejudiced, but you're you're playing in a lot of places that aren't necessarily very liberal. They're not you know, they're not super accepting. Yeah. I even get looks because of my tattoos like. My team, I, I, there's a few teammates who know this. I don't bring it up because I, d- I don't feel I need to. But, mm-hmm. like, I'm a bisexual baseball player. Mm-hmm. I'm probably one of a few. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, when there's 6,000 professional baseball players, you're going to go ahead and tell me the numbers dictate that I'm the only one that's currently <laughs> yeah, playing? exactly. Yeah, it, no, it's a... It reminds me of like the what is it the president of Iran like oh no we don't we don't have gay people yeah, we in don't Iran. Have gay it's people like, oh okay no that makes sense okay. no 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 yeah yeah sure it's just. And, like, I've mentioned it to teammates because some teammates have just straight up asked. They're like, mm-hmm. what What are you? What do I identify as? And I'm like, I'm bisexual. Uh, probably actually pansexual, but it's too confusing sometimes for me to get into all the details. Yeah. And it's just like, that's part of my private life. You know, I don't necessarily feel the need to tell people. 
Right. But then there's also the teammates who you can tell immediately when they find out, they're like, oh, well, was he checking me out? No, because you're a straight guy on a baseball team. Why, why would I give a shit? Yeah. I know, it just doesn't make sense to me why someone would honestly care about what you do in your own person. Yeah. Like, what? It doesn't affect you. you know what and what, what makes you think is? that you're hot shit that someone wants to check you out anyways? Yeah, that like, was my I don't know. <laughs> just like, who well, do you think you are? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, the, the other thing that gets me is like, uh, so, for full disclosure, this happened the other day. So, Kieran, I'm sure you don't know this. I own a candle company. That's what I do. I make candles no, and like Kieran's vegan cosmetics. A listener, he knows yeah. exactly everything about us. Let's Mike, let's he's, the one, have he's the one listener. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> man. He knows that you do. That you are a part of a candle company. Yes, I am a one-man vegan candle cosmetic company. My house is filled with candles. Well, oh. I'm sure they suck in comparison to renovation candles. Well, now so we'll have, I'll have to I'll have to hook you up. All right, I appreciate. We'll have to stuff. have to get get some stuff out there. But the reason I brought it up was, so recently I did a, a Black Lives Matter um, fundraiser where I made like a Black Lives Matter kind of special logo on the candle, and 100% of all the proceeds went to the bail project but the reason i bring it up is because i had a customer comment and message me on instagram like hey i love my black lives matter candle but my daughter was wondering if you're gonna make an all lives matter candle because Mm. she came up to me and said mommy doesn't my life matter and i had to explain to her that no i don't think this is a an appropriate response to the black lives matter movement and i think it really diminishes it and whatnot but the reason the thing that i'm trying to compare here to is like you fucking parent your child you teach them yeah. morality you shouldn't be looking to a candle fucking make, label yeah, to figure make, this make out a so, candle, yeah, so i don't have to talk to my parenting. child please yeah exactly and the candle you know it's a lot of things but not parenting but not parenting <laughs> because you know you hear those arguments like well how am i supposed to explain to my child why two men are kissing I don't know. You're the fucking parent. Tell them that Is everyone can love it? whoever they want, and then it's over. I mean, a five-year-old <laughs> doesn't know the difference, anyways. Like, yeah, and five-year-olds, they if they see it happen without any context, they actually won't know. Right. They wouldn't know it's wrong. They would just be confused. They're not going to go, mommy. I have this sudden feeling of hatred. Why is that? Like, it's like, not going to happen. Granted, it's it's hard for me. I I knew when I was twelve years old. So I've known uh-huh. for now 20 or 20, whatever. how old am I? Uh, 13 years, almost 14 years. Mm. Like I've been very aware of it and I only got comfortable with it at the age of 22. That mm. was a long time for me to kind of keep that in tow. And then when I came out to my friends, they were just like, yeah, like, have you met you? Yeah, shit. I was going to okay. say, did they Purple. give you the, yeah, we know. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, no one really cared. And I told teammates and they were just like, okay, like no one really seemed to care that much there were some guys who were definitely uncomfortable with it but a lot of other guys would just kind of get it move on and they would start cracking jokes the next day yeah like, that's okay that's exactly that's, what that's who you are cool doesn't change the person that i yeah. know so whatever like, i'll make fun of the teammate who oh okay i shouldn't say make fun because you can't judge him but uh like if a teammate has a thing for bigger girls we'll mm-hmm. razz on him for that if a teammate, you know, this, that, and the other, there's always something. That's how we bond. Yeah. And That's... the moment guys started, like, making jokes and you could tell that they were in good, like, with good intention. Right. That's when I thought, all right, there's a chance for this to actually 
change. And eventually, mm-hmm. I do want to talk to Billy Bean, um, not Billy Bean the A's, but Billy Bean. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's very. He was, on, he, was uh, he was with he was with Detroit. He was with Detroit for a while, but I don't think he was with anyone else. But yeah, go ahead. But uh, he's come in and talked, and you know, it's just. It's incredible to me that there are players who will just think, oh, well, there's no way a gay guy could be a baseball player. Mm-hmm. Like, motherfucker, I threw 101 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone can do it. It doesn't yeah. matter what their orientation is. If you can throw hard or you can get outs, you can get outs. Yeah. It does not matter to me. You yeah. hit the ball, you can pitch the ball. Who gives yeah. a shit? Yeah. Just gold jacket, green jacket. Who gives a shit? I believe that's Mr. Gilmore's. <laughs> well, yeah that's why i think the nhl did it right the nhl has the you know if you can play you can play campaign yeah. and they've like been on the forefront of you know lgbtq <clears throat> lgbtq plus you know you want, you want to know equality. why i think that is because in hockey you can stand toe-to-toe and punch each other yeah <laughs> well and, and you that, know what there's a certain respect that if you know, let's say there's a hockey player who came out as openly gay and he just knocked your teeth out, you are going to respect that man for the rest of your life. Right. And I think it would do a lot for the fans that, you know, maybe don't agree with their lifestyle or whatever bullshit they want to say. Like, if they see, you know, a professional player beat the shit out of someone on the ice and be like, oh, well, what would he do to me? Maybe I should not think of all these stupid stereotypes. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's exactly that can I mean, involve it's just, in people's personal life. It's yeah. the fact that, that people tend to associate sexual orientation with personality, mm-hmm. but they only do it with non-straight individuals. Exactly. Like yep. you don't go, oh, that guy's straight. He must like trucks and beer and shooting and hunting. And no, yeah. well, you can do whatever you want and be straight. Yeah, and, and, I'm but the straight fact that and the I moment, make candles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it it doesn't tie into your personality at all. Yeah, yeah. And granted, for me, it kind of does because I'm probably the most feminine male in baseball. But that's just how I am, <laughs> right? But you're, yeah, you're not but the standard. Everyone years, can do whatever they want. It took me years to even get comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. I was out at a pickup game, and I told some of the Latin guys, "I'm like, you know, if I strike you out, you're going to be struck out with the guy with fucking nail polish on, right?" <laughs> and I struck out like five. I was like, just remember, you didn't beat the guy with purple. You didn't beat the guy with purple nails. Yeah. <clears throat> man all right well uh let's we're, we're gonna wrap this up um we thank you so much for for coming on karen man yeah, and man. um we're we're gonna ask the uh, um the last question that we, we like to ask is, is what what's like your main thing that you're into besides baseball oh, boy you know i i've kind of been trying to come to terms with that because i don't think i know as weird this, as that is, sounds, this is the time you're being afforded to figure that out. I have genuinely been so absorbed in baseball or baseball adjacent things that exploring anything outside of that has kind of fallen uh, fallen on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Now I'm realizing like I, I do love learning languages. I, I really enjoy doing this. Uh, but I also just want to help people. And, you know, I wish I could say it was outside of baseball, but I want to go to Africa and help to develop the game there. I was mm-hmm. born in South Africa. The game is slowly getting grassroots in Uganda and Benin and Burkina Faso and uh, and uh, Ghana and all these incredible countries with these incredible people. And as much as I would like to say, oh, well, what are my interests outside of baseball? My interest is just to grow the game yeah. um, in, the, in the most healthy way possible. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, just helping people and find it, you know, helping people <clears> find <throat> what they love, and that might be baseball. That's yeah, and even just helping people huge. come to terms with whatever whatever they may be dealing with mm-hmm. to help them realize that you know there's a network of people out there who understand who who have gone through something similar, and just uh-huh. reaching out is is not the worst thing in the world to do. It's hard to <laughs> do. It's extremely difficult to do. I will never mm-hmm. ever say it's easy, but <clears throat> it does feel a lot better once you start to feel the support of those around you. Man, this is uh, definitely the the longest we've gone, man, and it, it didn't seem that way at all, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on. And um, that is yeah, a man. common theme with me being on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, Andrew Baggerly with the Giants had me do one. It was supposed to be like 15 minutes, and it went on for about an hour ten. That's where we're at. So, we're at a, we're at yeah. an hour twelve. We usually do our interviews about like 20, 30 minutes. And yeah, man, I, I, I I don't do short-winded interviews. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's, it's it flowed pretty smoothly aside from the interruption. Yeah. It shouldn't be too bad. You know, as someone who in, in, enjoys minor league baseball and and someone that uh, you know, wants to like, you know, like like you were saying, like you know, putting up the Venmo to to help these players. Someone who doesn't want to go and feel like a creep, you know, trying to like you know help these players out. You know, like if if you, if you're going to a game, what would you recommend like a fan to do? You know, is it like a, a gift card, card thing? Chipotle gift card. Chipotle gift, gift card and see if you can get it to the front office to just have it put in the locker. I mean, if you want to sign your name on it, that's great. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's there's that right there. If a guy came off the field and there was just a ten dollar Chipotle gift card in his locker that said, "Hey, watched you play today. Fucking great effort. Go have a good meal." Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I genuinely think players would like almost break down. My my one wish is that fans fans maybe looked at players and my, especially minor league players and went I think I can help these guys out a little bit. Yeah. If yeah. twenty fans came to the game and did that, and the whole team could eat, or just you know if a guy plays hard and gets just a little bonus from a fan, yeah, it might cause the other players around him to just play that much harder. It's because mm. the season is such a grind and yeah. you're sitting there going, all right, well I've got this <laughs> amount of meal money for this many days, I can eat this this and this and typically it's chipotle because it's big carb big calorie protein it's just yeah yeah it's, it's, the, it's the only thing you can eat that's good oh man we appreciate all your time and all, all the wisdom you dropped on us and um yeah i make definitely a lot of clips appreciate throughout the week, so. you you know being so open about everything and being willing to talk about things that aren't just you know well, straight line baseball stuff. As I, as that's I the shit that said, I like, love talking about. I think in order to get other people to do it, there needs to be an example set, and I'm I'm more than willing to put myself out there at this point. Being being following you for you know since 2019, you know we've I've, I've wished for your success before, but even more so now. Even if it's with the Dodgers, okay, um, just. I hope they don't put you in, a, in in when they play the Giants or something. That that's what we're gonna hope for. Um, we wish you nothing but success, man. Hopefully, I know everything's closed, so the Japan thing might not fall out to, due to circumstances that you can't really control. But man, I, I hope that you're able to um, do something this year and then come back next year and and uh, make your debut. And we'll be uh, following you and rooting for you, man. Yeah, I'll find my way. One yeah. way or the other. With that kind right. of attitude, you absolutely will. <laughs> All right, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah man. Thanks, anytime, man. man. We, we, hope, we hope we can have you on again sometime, man. Yeah, anytime. Let me know. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one. Thank you guys so much for watching this week's episode. 
Make sure you subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. This episode has been brought to you by Renovation Candle Company. Use promo code BENCHES at checkout and receive 20% off your entire order uh, at RenovationCandleCompany.com. Yeah, stop smelling like ass and buy some candles. Uh, Yeah, and put in benches, let them know we sent you so they keep giving us the mountains of money they give us. Just fucking mountains, baby. Um, we That's we are gonna announce for this, these walls <laughs> and that thirteen dollar banner. That's right. see, well, uh, oh, because it's not like a real world series banner, so it's pretty cheap. I get it. Those um, are we're, penance, we're, idiots. We're gonna, talking about the banner. Oh, whatever. Um, uh, we're we're gonna announce the uh, the giveaway winners of a nice Eric Carroll's bobblehead goes to our friend Scotty Humphreys at Scotty Edge on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Um, and the Undo. Giants. Shimmy bobblehead, the Quato bobblehead goes to our guy, Zach.092 on Instagram. We'll be messaging you guys. Who to, I uh, hope is a, is a Dodger fan and has just entered the giveaway to throw this thing away. So there's yes. one less has, of them on the face of the he's earth. He's had pl- plenty of pictures of him and, and Giants gear, but I'm sure it's all a front. Uh, don't I listen sure to him, so. Zach. You're, you're, you're a great person, and, 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 and I believe in you. The jury's uh, still out. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. We'll be back next yeah. week. I'm saying fuck Aubrey Huff. Yeah.